Exodus chapter 18 is where we find ourselves this morning in God's Word. It's on page 60 of that Bible in front of you if you didn't bring your own this morning. We mentioned last week that chapter 18 is one of those hinged chapters. The Lord taking His people from the land of Egypt, bringing them to Mount Sinai prior to chapter 18, and then all of the material we have after chapter 18 is the people gathered around Mount Sinai and the, the good law of the Lord given to His people through Moses. But even within chapter 18, there's a bit of a transition. Um, the, the Lord is preparing His people to receive this law and to put it into practice, uh, to start obeying uh, this law. Here's, here's what it looks like to live in communion with the Lord and with each other. And with this diverse group of people, it's been three months, close to three months since they left Egypt. So as you can imagine, there, there are plenty of issues that arise among the people during this time. And so the, the governance, that judicial structure is being laid for the people here so that when the Lord does call Moses up the mountain and gives him the moral law and the civil law, ceremonial laws, uh, that there's leadership and, and a court system in place. Now I'll, I'll acknowledge right up front here that church government is probably not the first thing on you know, your list to talk about around the dinner table. As far as I know, they haven't made any Marvel movies around church government yet. Um, and, you know, we hear enough about the government scandals and, uh, you know, just the, the circus that goes on. We, it's hard enough to know who to believe and what to believe when it comes to governing authority and decisions that have been made. So I want to acknowledge that uh, right up front. But at the same time, we have no choice but to consider how important it is. If the Lord, if we, if we have this much ink in the Scriptures where the Lord lays out how His people should be governed, then it's going to show us what He values and consequently that shows us what we need to value uh, from day to day as well. So let's begin reading at verse 13, chapter 18. The next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and His laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace." So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. 
Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. This is God's word to us, his people. Let's pray together. Lord, it's you who must work your word to perform it. And we're grateful that you've given us this word, Lord, that you have condescended in such a way that we can understand this word. And so in these gentle lisps from you, our Creator God, our covenant King, we give you thanks. And so Lord, we submit to your word this morning. Pray that you would teach us, that you would warn us, that you would encourage us, and that the message of your word would be faithfully proclaimed. Make us attentive, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was handed this little comic a few years ago, just a single pane, Dennis the Menace comic. And uh, Dennis is standing in front of the chair, and the pastor is sitting in the chair, and he has a teacup in his hand, his eyebrows are raised, and Dennis is asking a question. He says, so pastor, you work Sundays and the other six days you just hang out? Um, I keep that up on my, up on my board. And um, so it's, uh, and the, the pastor here is speechless. He doesn't know what to say with that. And it's a, a good reminder that I should be sitting more in the living room with, with tea in my hand, perhaps. Um, but it also brings a smile and chuckle, chuckles, I gather, from you all, because as you you have the perception of, of the pastor's role and how he fills his time, and that time often fills quickly during the week with preparation and study and teaching and visiting and so forth. Uh, and it's safe to say that the work of the pastor is never done until the Lord calls him home or, or the Lord returns. So there, there really is as much work as the pastor wants to give to it. Um, And that is a tremendous privilege. I've said this before and I will say it again. That I I consider myself to have the greatest job in the world. And you all enable that. And so the Lord bless you a thousand times over. Because that is a great privilege and I am so deeply grateful for it. But as, uh, as our brother David Lucas shared so honestly last week, sometimes we can give more time and attention to this work than we should. And our, our passion and our focus can get out of balance. And one of the greatest dangers for pastors, for leaders in the church, is to do too much. To take on too much. Um, to overwork at, at the good work uh, that the Lord has given. Uh, and that often uh, leads to burnout, either burnout of the leader or burnout of the family or both. Um, and it happens often. So it should, be a, it should be a blip on the church's Radar. As we get into Exodus 18, we see that blip on the radar, overwork, frustration, the people, potential burnout for Moses. He's doing a good work, but we read the way he's going about it is not so good. So how do we address this overwork, potential for burnout in the church? It's necessary work. There are important decisions that, that need to be made within the community of faith, but how do we do this reflecting what Uh, what God values. Um, In this exchange between Moses and Jethro, we see a healthy assessment by Moses' father-in-law, then a very needed counsel 
uh, followed by a new direction. Um, so communication from Moses to Jethro, then Jethro to Moses, and then they, they move outward. So healthy assessment, needed counsel, and new direction. But on this particular day, the docket for Moses is full. As the one appointed by God, he is to speak to the people, and he's filling this prophetic role, explaining the, the law of God. He's, he's counseling, he's helping them apply this law to their everyday situations. So his leadership puts him in a position to govern or to judge among the people as well which isn't uncommon. If we go a little later on in the story, we have a whole, a whole book called Judges. right? And many of those uh, names, like Gideon or Deborah, are judges. They were military leaders, through God's mercy, delivering the people. And yet, as part of that leadership role, they would have a judiciary function. Uh, they would judge among the people. I try to think of a modern example of this. The best I could do was you know, a, a ship out at sea. Well, if there's some sort of a dispute or disciplinary matter on the ship, the captain has to act as judge. And so he makes a judiciary call until the ship can come back into port, and then they, they may have a trial or, or something like that. Um, though it's not his primary role, uh, it's still something that goes along with that territory. So Moses is sitting in the place of judgment among the people. Something he may not have done every day, or he may not have had this full load every day, uh, but on this occasion it was a long day of seeking the Lord's direction on behalf of the people. And it's something we see him taking very seriously. It was a good work, a necessary work. Um, the fact that he's available for the people um, shows a great concern on the part of Moses. I think of the contrast. It wasn't long ago when they're ready to throw stones at Moses. He says, Lord, what, what do we do with these people? Um, but here we show him, uh, see him showing great concern as he sits and, and mediates. So he's filling that prophetic role as well as the priestly role in taking, their, um, uh, taking the concerns uh, before the Lord. And I think it's safe to say that Moses did not have the law book memorized. You know, he, he didn't have all of this just at the top of his head or say, you know, sitting there in his judge's seat, you know, let's just turn to... Title 7, paragraph 3, you know, line 2, and there it clearly says that you have to move your property line off of your neighbor's property line, or you have to kill this animal because of this. Um, more specific laws are coming for the people at Mount Sinai, but now we assume that Moses is taking these requests before the Lord. What, what to do? And that's given to him um, from the Lord. He may very well have thought that this this role was one that only he could fill. Um, you think of what Moses had seen growing up. Uh, he'd seen the, the governance in Egypt, how Pharaoh would have made himself available at least to, to all people at some times. Very likely how Moses gained that original audience with Pharaoh. Uh, or maybe it was a Midianite system that he saw where the tribal leaders would, uh, would govern the people. But he knew that the Lord was speaking through him uh, to the people and took that seriously. Now Jethro, on the other hand, he's, he's sort of that third party looking on. He hasn't been traveling with the people of Israel. Uh, and so what, he, what Moses is showing him is that this work seems to be important enough to take this amount of time, but it's taking too much of his time. 
He can't go about the other aspects of his leadership. Um, And so Jethro, we know he loves Moses. He has his best interest in mind. Um, And uh, we, we think too that Jethro, he's got his own judiciary experience as a priest in in Midian. Uh, So he says, Moses is too much. You're going to run yourself into the ground. You're going to hurt the people in the process. Uh, There's no way you can keep up this pace or should keep up this pace. It would be unhealthy to to do that. And so for us, we we need others who can give us this type of assessment in our life or in the life of the church. Those who know us well enough who can say, you're taking on too much. You're trying to go this alone when you shouldn't be going this alone. You aren't intended to. That's something we, we, we typically need others to speak into because we don't see that in ourselves. Especially if we're enjoying the work. Especially if we have a passion for it and we're seeing it bear fruit on the lives of others or needed by others. Think of the renowned reformer John Calvin, a name many of us have heard. He'd preach multiple times a day in Geneva. And he, would, he was involved in most of the civic affairs in this city. Plus he had all this correspondence outside of Geneva. Plus he's writing commentaries on every book of the Bible during this time. And so what we don't usually hear is the fevers and the malaria and the kidney and bladder problems that he suffered from because he was just uh, exhausted from his work. There's a Christian psychologist, Archibald Hart. He said, most ministers don't burn out because they forget they're ministers. They burn out because they forget they are people. Um, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. Physically, emotionally. Eating up too much of your time in the time of others. This is not good, is uh, Jethro's assessment. So with a healthy assessment and the conclusion that this is taking up too much time for Moses, we, we hear that need for self-care. We hear the, the need to guard against not going it alone. But I also want to, to mention a counterpoint here that I don't think we hear as often. Maybe that's because we're too busy. We don't even consider it a factor. But there's been a lot of talk in recent years in the church about self-care and setting boundaries, guarding against overwork. Okay, you're not much help to others if you're not helping yourselves. You know, caring and rest, feeding, and so forth. There's great truth in this, like we've already mentioned. Uh, but at the same time, we can become fixated on the fear of burning out. When a task gets really difficult, or we're less motivated than we were at the beginning, um, we're just getting really tired it is very easy for us to sort of vacate and medicate in the name of self-care. You've earned it, you deserve it, now back off type of mentality. Now, there are seasons for ministry. There are things at home, at church, in the community that are going to take more physical and mental energy that, that we don't have as much as we get into the later seasons. That's, that's completely understandable. Um, dear saint living up north, she shared this with me. She's in her upper 80s. Um, and she said, I would rather burn out than rust out for Jesus. Uh, and I, I think we, have, we see a greater tendency in the church today 
especially as we get older, to rust out rather than burn out. Now hear the message here. This is not a call to overwork or to serve in every capacity that you possibly can or to not take care of yourself. The message is how can we serve serve God, serve His people, the mission of the church faithfully and diligently in every season of life. We should desire this and not fear involvement or fear pursuing an interest or an area of service that's going to take a lot out of us. It's going to make us really tired. That's a good tired to be. Um, Even if we realize uh, we can't do it all. That's the needed counsel that Moses uh, receives here from Jethro. Jethro has assessed this situation. um, And he gives his his advice here in submission to the Lord. Uh, Moses, you need help with this. He's not undermining the the wisdom and direction of the Lord um, or what Moses has been doing. We see this in verses uh, 19 and 20. Because Moses, keep doing what it is you're doing. This is an important work. Uh, Moses has to help the people understand the Lord's uh, laws and statutes. That prophetic role of Moses is still there. But Jethro's counsel is that godly men need to help share the load. Not every case needs to come before Moses. Look for able men from all the people, Jethro says. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. So these local judges are going to be known. They're going to be well respected by others in the community, looked up to. We read that expression there. We read a thousand and hundreds and fifties and tens. This is just an expression for the various groups that Israel is divided into. It may not necessarily have been exactly those numbers. But these men would settle the smaller cases, and then the, the weightier matters, the heavier cases, would go before Moses. They would be the lesser courts, and Moses would be the Supreme Court. And I found a short speech by Senator Ben Sasse, I think that's how you say his last name, just a couple of weeks ago. It was just an honest, a refreshingly honest speech that he gave as a part of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And he was sharing with all those present in the room at the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Um, anybody know that's going on right now? I'm just kidding. Never mind. Um, but he was sharing the role of the Supreme Court. He says the legislature makes the laws and the judiciary, the ones wearing the black robes, they are to interpret the written law for the people. The Supreme Court is not a super legislature. You know, with some with blue boxing gloves and some with red boxing gloves going back and forth. They're supposed to be insulated from this political circus and judge with equity using the written law. And so selecting a judge, the highest court in the land, and really you could say for any lower court, it should be based on on character and integrity and an ability to see through the political games and the lies and the bribes and to judge fairly. So Moses is the Supreme Court. Okay, he's not making the laws. He's passing along, interpreting uh, the laws that God has given to him. So those appointed judges in the lower courts need to be trustworthy servants of God who are much more concerned about equity and rightly handling the Word of God than about their own personal gain or their incumbency, if that uh, becomes the case in Israel. 
There must be a fear of God over a fear of men for those appointed judges and all who would lead God's people. So we find this counsel that God, uh, He does not value the, the one-man show in the life of His people, even if that man or woman be highly qualified and capable. Um, he approves the, this allocation of tasks to others to help share the load. Others that are appropriately qualified and willing to serve. It's true, leadership in the home or in the business and, or the church, leaders who, who recognize their own limitations and help enable others uh, to use their gifts in leading. Acts chapter 6 is a wonderful uh, example of how this was done in the early church. Um, we see men of character, good repute, filled with the Spirit, uh, taking on that that area of service in the church, area of mercy, meeting physical needs, so that the apostles could focus on prayer, focus on the ministry of the Word. So are we growing and cultivating qualified folks in our families, in the church family, to help share this load? We can all help. We're all sharing the load in a unique way, but as is the case here in Exodus 18, there's a need to identify of those who are trustworthy, and have the character underneath that capacity to serve, to help make significant decisions in the church. I think it's the beauty of God's providence that we ended up in this particular section of God's Word this morning as we look to, in a few minutes, uh, potentially elect another church officer in the life of this church um, who's going to potentially uh, come alongside the other elders, help share this load, um, shepherding and oversight. So Moses has shown Jethro what he's been doing. Jethro has communicated to Moses. And now they both uh, take action. We see that, that the relationship between Jethro and Moses is maintained. There's still a, a healthy relationship there. Jethro leaves in peace to go back uh, to Midian. What's fascinating is he doesn't try to do what we often see happening when someone gives counsel and is in a leadership role. He doesn't try to take over. He doesn't appoint himself to be you know, one of these judges. Um, Jethro doesn't need the credit for this counsel. You know, put, put my name on that, you know, wh- whatever, that shows that this happened. It, it tells us a lot about the experience and maturity of, of Jethro. And then Moses is willing to listen in verse 24. Uh, very likely that, that this was God's design all along, that, that Moses would... Govern in this way. Shared leadership uh, as they approach Mount Sinai. Um, it's an important preparation. It's going to enable Moses to endure. Um, knowing how this story continues and the endurance that will be needed. So he takes the risk and he delegates. Um, it's always risky to do this. Oftentimes there is pride on the part of the leaders. They don't want to relinquish that control. It keeps them from delegating um, responsibility. But the mature leader... You know, it shows a humility and a teachability, taking the risk and delegating for the good of all. Uh, so good leaders accept godly counsel. They may alter their directions based on this counsel. They know they can't go it alone. They, don't, uh, they, they shouldn't be trying to go it alone. And shared leadership, it's really at the heart of Presbyterianism as a form of of church governments, a form we profess to be the most consistent with what the Bible teaches, both Old Testament and New Testament. 
We read of God's Spirit filling a select group of elders to help Moses in Numbers chapter 11. Uh, Deuteronomy 1, leaders are appointed in what is very likely a parallel version of what we see here in Exodus 18. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is appointing uh, elders in each of the churches. He instructs Timothy to do the same. Acts chapter uh, 15, we have leaders in the church, the apostles and the elders coming together to exercise oversight, judiciary um, counsel. On the church today, we have elders and deacons, especially elders who share in the oversight and teaching governance of the church. So the, the teaching elder role, it's, it's a prophetic role, like Moses, the teaching elder is not a prophet. Okay, he's not the supreme court of the church. Okay. We have a prophet in the church, but our prophet is also our high priest. The Lord Jesus is our better Moses. The Lord Jesus is the one who reveals the will of God to us through His Word. And the, the very preface the book of church order for our uh, denomination states this so well. I thought I'd just share a little bit of this. Uh, Jesus teaches us by His Spirit through His Word. Jesus, the mediator, the sole priest, prophet, king, savior, and head of the church, contains in Himself, by way of eminency, all the offices in His church. He is present with the church by His Word and Spirit, and the benefit of all His offices are effectually applied. By the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the head of the church. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that He governs and exercises that authority. So in His grace, He chooses to do this through the spiritual leadership of very fallible, broken, weak, and insufficient vessels. Like me, like you. So even in the Lord's governance, even in the polity of the church, something that we, we rarely talk about or don't want to talk about, even in this, the Lord shows us His strength. He shows us His sufficiency. Continue that good work that He's begun in us, something that only He can fulfill. So it's His good design that within the church this load is, is shared. Load of, of work, responsibility, providing those that he will uh, that will lead in the church, and this enables us to endure, it enables us to continue to serve. But ultimately, we need to know that he provides himself, his one and only Son, to govern and lead his church. Jesus is the truly qualified judge, the supreme judge, and so we can go to him with every issue, every concern, knowing that He's going to hear us. Knowing that He is righteous and He will judge justly. So with that, let me encourage you to pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the spiritual leadership in the church. Pray that your spiritual leaders would not be timid leaders and they would not be tyrannical leaders. So much easier to to criticize and to care for leaders. I mean, we'd rather give our opinion than obey. Um, this, this move the preacher of the Hebrews, share in chapter 13, near the end of that letter. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so 
our inclination, the stains of sin, is to, to resist that authority. So to submit to God's good design and placing ourselves under the direction of spiritual leaders, that, that's challenging. Especially when we see those leaders betraying those entrusted to them. We see, we see that more and more. Um, not taking that responsibility seriously. Um, it just grieves the heart of God. Our spiritual, our spiritual leaders are as fallen as anyone else. Which is why we look to our King. We look to the supreme court in the church. That's the Lord Jesus. He's perfectly qualified. He's faithful. He will judge with righteousness. He will judge in His church. A church that's going to endure throughout all ages. We can rest in that. Let's pray together. Lord, we do praise You that You are the righteous judge. We can come to You any time, any place, any occasion, knowing that You will hear and answer our prayer. Lord, we pray that Your justice would roll like an ever-flowing stream to our lives and the lives of Your people and into this world. Lord, help us as a church to share the load. Lord, would You raise up men and women, uh, to lead in your church, uh, to carry that responsibility, to aspire to it, deeply trusting in you. Lord, we thank you for this word. Guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.